Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Good morning, Vietnam! I have you now. We came, we saw, we kicked its ass. Hello! My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious... You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week, 30 years in the making. Yes, it is the 30-something movie podcast, and this time around, it is our 150th episode. Spectacular. The sesquicentennial, the 150th episode, Spectaculario. Whatever language you want to use. Spectaculario is good. Spectaculario. I like it. We'll go with that one. All right. Um, so this is uh, this is our 150th episode. Does it feel like we've done 150? My no. joints don't lie. Yes. Yeah. I some sometimes, and then other times, I'm like, you know, oh man, that's a great movie. I wish we'd done that in the podcast. And then I think about it, and I'm like, no, wait a minute. We did do that on the podcast. <laughs> it was like two years ago. I totally forgot we did that one. Um, so yes, this is our 150th. If you are just now joining us, if this is the first time you're joining us, welcome. Don't know how you ended up here. Uh, if it's by mistake, um, the, the exit is out back. Uh, there's a bus station down the street. Uh, you know, you get to safety as soon as you can. Um, but if you're joining us here because you love 80s movies, which is where we're at right now, uh, we are called the 30-something movie podcast because we cover movies that are reaching their 30th anniversary. So not necessarily today or this week, but if they are reaching their 30th anniversary in nineteen in 2017, yes, we're recording a podcast in 1987. Wait that, would, that would be pretty cool. That would be. We've gone back in time. Then is now. That's right, man. Which was last week. You know, last week we did Spaceballs. Wasn't that a great discussion last week, guys? I love the Spaceballs discussion. Yeah. That was one of the greatest movies with one of the greatest discussions we've ever had. I think, you know, I think I got to submit that one for some podcast awards. We should. I mean, it was leading right into our uh, Sasquatch Centennial. Yes, I said the, the Bigfoot episode. The mm-hmm. Centennial for the I resemble that remark. Um, so yeah, so we are at our 150th episode. So normally we are covering movies that are reaching their 30th anniversary. So our year this year has been 1987. If you want to go back and check out our other 149 episodes that we've done up to this point, uh, they are, we started uh, just a couple years ago. So most of our movies are from 84, 85, 86, and this year 87. And then coming up next year, obviously will be 1988. So, uh, if that's your jam, if uh, mid to late 80s movies are your jam, then we are your place to go for that kind of stuff. So if you want to go check out some of those that we've done in the last 149 episodes, go right on ahead. Uh, they're all on our website at 30podcast.com or they're on Google Play or on iTunes. You what know. sort of jam? Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of Grape. The Raspberry? Raspberry's okay. Raspberry's okay. That's a good jam. Only one man would dare give me the Raspberry. That's right. Lone Star. Mm-hmm. Man, that was a great discussion. I it was. I can't until we have it last week. I just want to relive it over and over. Uh-huh. Right, maybe we can someday soon. That would sure be wonderful. 
really confused now. Maybe some kind of wonderful. It would. Snotty beamed me twice last night. It was wonderful. There you go. All right. So this time around, since we've hit our 150th, uh, we're going to veer off just a little bit from our uh, normal 30-year-old movie discussion. And we are going to be talking about, because our, for our 100th one, we did like favorite holiday movies, because I think it came out around December, uh, November, December time. So this time around, we decided for the 150th, we wanted to talk about our favorite movie music of all time, because we hate ourselves. And at different points in time, we had forced ourselves to make, I think, some top 10 lists. Mm -hmm. of our favorite music and, and sometimes favorite movies. And we thought, you know what, that, that would be a great, since we talk about this anyway, that wouldn't be a bad idea for one of our, uh, our milestone episodes. So why don't we do that for the 150th? I think, Jeff, I think you were the first one to bring that up several months ago. Yeah. 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 I'd like to take this moment to, uh, to apologize for all of the mental anguish that my idea has put all of us through. Okay, and I just want to say something. I just want to say something. Only slightly more than the stress of the start of the school year has been the stress of completing this list. And I actually like patted myself on the back and the whole thing because I got everything and I, I got it all down with the numbers. And then I get on and somebody, and I'm not going to name who, I don't care, suddenly added all these rows that I could add more stuff in. And I'm sitting here because now yeah, it's like the wedding. There's yeah. like two more lines and it's like, okay, well, I got five more choices. You know what I'm saying? Like I just... I, I was cheating when he added rows. There were too many good things. I couldn't make up my mind, so I just put them all on the list and made extra rows. And sorry, oh, I'm sitting here in a. Uh, okay, that's all. It's just, sometimes, you know. sometimes the greatest creativity comes when an artist has to work through constraints. So that's why I only put the five rows in there. But I don't care how many rows you put in there. Thank God. Because my honorable mention category that I came up with is vastly growing. Okay, I'm just gonna. Well, as aren't we all? Um, yeah. And uh, <laughs> right before your honorable mention category. Never mind. Yeah, but yeah, when you put up honorable mentions, I'm like, you know what? I'm. I know what's going to happen to this category. I'm just going to open my iTunes and just list every soundtrack I have that mm -hmm. I have not already mentioned in these other categories. Yeah. But yeah. That, and that, I mean, that was the tough part too. Was I? I got to certain points, and I was like, wait a minute. There are no more, no more rows in this table, and, and I have at least three more things to put down, so that's going to go honorable mention. Well, like I said in, in the text, uh, in, in our text message group earlier, you know, like my thought was like Gone with the Wind. That yeah. soundtrack isn't going to be on any of my specific lists, right. but it's a brilliant soundtrack and deserves to be mentioned if we're talking about music in the movies. Yeah. Like, absolutely. So. I had to I, that honorable mention category and yeah. And, and if this, if this isn't the time to bring this up, I struggled, you know, stop me or mute my mic or whatever, but I struggled with top composers. And it's funny because my list switched like an hour ago, my list switched because at first I was like, okay, well I'm going to look at what everyone else is putting up and I'm not going to put any of those guys up because I just want to talk about more composers. But then I got to thinking, it's like, well, if it's favorite film composer, favorite film composers boy that's a little disingenuous to this not list my favorites so then i started putting them up and then i found that i was started looking and it was like well this guy only composed one movie that i really liked his stuff on but i just loved it so would that be the favorite of all time so finally that one i finally um just went to imdb and typed guys names in and tried to look at whichever guy had composed the most stuff i liked i mean that was 
that was the hardest category for me to for me to complete. And a lot of it was just because I like the movie in this. I love the soundtrack in this one movie. And, and, you know, it's a famous composer and all, but it's like, it was kind of a one shot deal. I'd never seen any of the other movies that he wrote music for, or she wrote music for. So I don't know. That one was the tough one. Um, so this news will actually be a, a couple weeks old by the time people hear it. Um, did you guys hear that the horror movie director, Toby Hooper died? Yeah, I, I was reading that uh, earlier today. Yeah. Yeah, he died, um, let's see, it was, I think it was yesterday he passed away. He was 74. Uh, Toby Hooper, we've done a couple of his, well, we've done one of his movies uh, on the podcast. He directed Poltergeist. He directed the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, he did Invaders from Mars. That's the only one we've done on the podcast so far. Um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, and then a few other kind of horror movie things here and there. So there were a whole bunch of, I, I didn't see him until today, but a whole bunch of people related to kind of the horror genre uh you know john carpenter and uh guillermo de toro and a few other people were tweeting out uh, some different things today and that's how i ended up seeing that he had passed away uh did he oh he did salem's lot too that was the other one he had done so cool so i don't know that i have too much other too much else to say about uh, toby hooper other than i you know the movies of his that i've seen you know i like a good horror movie um so, and especially some of those older ones. So I've, I've liked all of his movies that I've seen that invaders from Mars, maybe not a great movie. It was one of those Canon films we talked about, uh, from was it 86. So it was last year. Uh, not necessarily a great movie, but I kind of have some fun memories of watching that with my family. So, uh, it's in there too, but, um, yeah. So, I mean, kind of the horror genre is getting a, getting a pounding lately. George Romero passed away a month ago. Um, uh, mm. and Toby Hooper's today or yesterday. Well, kind of speaking of horror movies, um, it's also getting a little bit of a, a resurgence because the word on the street is that the new movie It is a frightening, phenomenal film. Yeah. Huh. And, and I think I texted you earlier. You tell me when and where, and we will get those tickets because you and I are going. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm very excited to see it, but I'm also not going to lie. I'm a little scared to go see it. Mm -hmm. scared as in like scared that you're going to be scared or scared that the expectations are now raised. No scared. that I'm going to be scared. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I figured that's good. I'm going to wear like three pairs of pants. You know, I don't think I've gone to see a horror movie in the theater in a good 15 years. Pat, what are you going to wear? Dude, I just don't like it when they go after kids. That's all I got to say. So, I mean, oh, you know, not the movie for you. Yeah, I'm just I'm just thinking that's not it. I also kind of have a mild phobia of clowns, so you know I'm thinking that's not good. Oh, really, um, not for you. So I don't know. I'll uh, yeah. I mean, I love. By the way, I love the commentary of you guys trying to scheme how to get me to go see the movie. So you know, if you can somehow get like you know get it through my head that it's Logan two, maybe you can get me there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we're gonna take you to a, a marathon of all the Fast and the Furious movies. <laughs> Yeah, and it's it's going to look like a clown, but it's really the rock, and it's going to look like a bunch of kids, but they're really midgets. Okay, all right. It's it's one day only. We don't know when the day is yet, but as soon as we figure out when we want to go, we're going to let you know, and we're going to bring you to that marathon. All right, that sounds good. That sounds good. And then Pat will never talk to us ever again. <laughs> um, and and I guarantee that yeah. would be, you would not fall asleep in though. Possibly. Uh, 
I don't know. I've fallen asleep some pretty crazy places. Wow, that's true. Yeah. You're pretty skilled at that. Yeah. Yeah. But see, it's, it's for me, for me, what'll get me there is it's the morbid curiosity. You know, it's the cure for me. It's the curiosity that kills the cat. You know, I'll just be like, well, I want to know what all the hubbub's about. You know, I want to know what happens. I want to, you know. All right. Well, you let us, if you want to go, you let us know. We'll, we'll get you a ticket. Yeah. I'll start thinking about it. I mean, I'm, I'm more than, since you're buying my ticket to go see the disaster artist, I'm more than willing to, you know, to invite you out to a movie we're going to go see. Reciprocate. Yeah. That being said, let's go ahead and just jump on in. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to get some anxiety here. Hold on. Because <laughs> anything we say about the, this topic is going to be permanent. Uh-huh. It's going to be recorded for all time. Oh, God. It's going to be recorded for your posterior. Oh, okay. That might have been the wrong word. That sounds about right. I don't know words. The president took all the best words, so I don't have them anymore. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. <laughs> Let's do this. Let's do, uh, I'm going to jump to question number two we had on our list here. What makes a song or score work in a movie or a scene? So maybe we'll talk about that for a second, and then we can okay. jump. That's category. a good lead-in. So what is it? Yeah. What makes a song or score work for you? Dad, you want to go first? And this is question number two. So who does number two work for? <laughs> what I think makes a song or score work in a movie or a particular scene is that it has to have the right chemistry makeup to mix and blend with the visual. For me, when I watch a lot of movies, the music is where I can derive a lot of emotion uh, for a particular moment in a movie. So I think for sure the music has to somehow be able to connect to the visual in some way. If that disconnect is there, then in most cases, it's not going to work. You're not going to get the, the results, the emotional result that you're hoping for out of the, out of your viewing audience. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, I think that's, pretty spot on to what I was going to say was, and, and you'll notice as we go through this whole discussion, I think a lot of my musical choices for some of these favorites are the ones that have these, these just rousing anthems, you know, the ones that you just, you could just, when you hear that music come on, you immediately want to just like stand up and cheer. Um, mm -hmm. And it's always, and I think music has to be that way. It, it's, it's that emotional, like you said, it's that mo emotional connection to it, that emotional response. For me, it almost has to be something that is memorable for it to be a favorite. It almost has to be memorable right away. And I remember back when we did one of our episodes, we did our episode for The Force Awakens, and I was commenting on the music, and I was like, you know what? Compared to a whole bunch of other Star Wars music, there wasn't anything memorable for me the first time I saw the movie. Like, I listened to the soundtrack, I saw the movie, and nothing just jumped out at me as, like, this is the Force Awakens theme, or this is Ray's theme, or this is whatever. And it took several listens to the soundtrack for me to finally get, and watching the movie a few times, for me to finally go, oh, okay. All right, okay, I, I get that now. That, that's not to say that the music in that movie is bad, because by no means is that bad music. But it took me a little bit to kind of find that, that memorable piece, whereas I think when I watch something like even some of these movies we've been doing for the last couple of years, when I'm watching a movie and just boom, a song comes in and immediately I'm like, you know what? I'm going to like that. Song. If I can grab it right away and be like, I'm, I'm going to like that song. Just there's something about that song. Uh, what was it? Uh, Lost Boys. Lost Boys. Mm -hmm. 
people scene with the saxophone player. I had never seen Lost Boys before. I had never heard that song before. The minute that scene comes on, I'm, I'm just like, this is so ridiculously 80s, and I don't know this song, but it now I, I, I need to go buy it. I'm gonna go mm-hmm. to right now. I need to go find the song. This is a great. This is a great song, and I don't know if it's a great song, but I liked it. So I think there's yeah. some of it for me is is exactly what you said. It's gotta it's gotta have that emotional beat to it, but it's also for me it's gotta have that that immediately I have to know that I like this. Like I have to have that almost immediate connection that is I'm I'm gonna hear this once and it's already imprinted on my brain. I can already start humming it from having heard it once. You know, what you guys were saying, I, I think I'm pretty much going to reiterate what you guys say, probably just in, in, in different words. For me, the, the, the music soundtracks that I like have, John, you mentioned like an arousing anthem, or for me, it's, it's a theme, something that could be a standalone uh, piece of music, something that, you know, I could, I could pop in the CD player and listen to, and it's not just like background kind of thing um and and that's that's the music that's kind of like my go-to soundtracks and it was funny when the the magnificent seven and i'm sure that will come up in something during this discussion but when yeah when the new magnificent seven uh came out i was kind of hit or miss on the movie i fell asleep during it and as you know which is every movie but i mean i kind of fell asleep and then as i woke up i was like do i want to go back well i'm really not that into it eh, whatever i'll just kind of doze back off and i was in and out for most of the movie and then at the very end when they rolled the credits that was the first time they put the magnificence the, the original magnificent seven theme in there and all of a sudden that theme kicked off and it was like i shot bolt upright off the literally jumped off the couch was wide awake and thought this is the greatest move. This is, oh my gosh, these guys did a phenomenal job with this remake. This thing is great. I can't wait to tell Jeff that, you know, our fears are, are, are you know, are wrong. This is a great, great redo. This is, and then all of a sudden it hit me that, no, no, it, it, it really was kind of, I, I, I was kind of cold on the movie. All it took was hearing that theme and it, it just suddenly, I thought it was the greatest thing ever. And so I think is, 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 and that was, that was a genuine reaction. And as long as there's that, that real strong theme, um, that's what, that's what hooks me in. You know, the other thing that, you know, Jeff, what you were saying, I think was, you know, that the music fits with what's, what's happening with, with what you see. And I, I think that's too, is, is if you can somehow get, you know, if, if the characters on stage are kind of quirky, kind of weird, um, like the, the latest Sherlock Holmes, where, uh, what's his name? Tony Stark is Sherlock Holmes. Robert Downey Jr. When you listen to the themes in there, it, it the way he plays Sherlock Holmes is he's he's kind of quirky. He's kind of uh, he's kind of a kind of a weird dude, you know. Mm-hmm. And the music sounds like that as well. The, the music can represent that. Uh, you know, if you're heading into you know some you know watching a war movie, Saving Private Ryan, I think the 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 theme with the solitary trumpet playing. Just the way that they use that one instrument playing a theme, it, 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 it gives you the feel that things are very uh, uh, dignified. And I, I think as long as the music can match with the theme or with the theme of the movie, um, that's really what gets me excited. Is, you know, and I tell my music students that is that music is kind of like the original special effect. You know, that's what's going to make you feel like you're sucked into the story. That's what's going to make you feel like you're soaring through the stars or running through a trench or running from a monster or falling in love with someone. I, I, I think that that's. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, look at, 
look at something like uh, Peter and the Wolf. Yeah. You know, when, when the characters are essentially instruments and it's, it's how the instruments are manipulated and, and their sound is created that you can imagine the persona of different animals to that sound. So I, I, I like how you said that, you know, music was almost the first special effects available to movies. You know, I, I'm, I'm reminded of a quote. I don't remember who said it. When words fail, music speaks. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think that harkens back to my, my thoughts on just how the, the music can, can capture the emotional essence and weightness of a scene, whether positive or negative, you know, a happy or sad or anywhere in between, the music can do something no amount of dialogue can. Absolutely. There's, there's another, and you know, to plug another podcast while we're talking on ours, um, there's a podcast called Rebel Force Radio and they do um, Star Wars news and commentary and stuff like that. They had one they were doing called Star Wars Oxygen. And the reason they called it that was because it was a podcast all about the music of Star Wars, all John Williams music. And they kept referring to it as the as the music was the oxygen of Star Wars because it just it lets the scenery breathe. It's even when you don't have dialogue. Um, you know, I, I think about the the scene in the original Star Wars, Luke going out and staring out at the twin suns. Yes. you've got there is that that music that swells up as he's standing there um and i liked how they always referred they referred to it as the oxygen of of the movie and it just you know like like you said when you've got no other dialogue you've got no other sound effects it's just the music speaks for it and i mean and we're we're getting ahead of ourselves but i mean i'm thinking of and, and i'm i'm thinking of themes but i'm also thinking of of you know all the little uh incidental music touches that can be put in there i mean when uh, you know in return of the jedi when luke sets his foot out on the uh uh you know the plank off the skiff and all they have is just those little hits that I mean, if you're not at the edge of your seat with your hair standing up two inches off the back of your head, I mean, uh, you know, you must be dead. You know, I mean, that that music puts it right there. Uh, go back to The Empire Strikes Back with that 
excellent, excellent chase scene that, you know, where, where the Millennium Falcon is flying through the asteroid field. And when Han go, you know, they, they say, we're going into the asteroid field and you're like, what? And everyone's like, what? And they know, you know, the, the, uh, um, you know, the odds of surviving an asteroid field is however many thousand to one or whatever. It's approximately and then he, 3,720 to one. And he says, never tell me the odds. And Harrison Ford delivers that line perfectly. The special effects make that thing outstanding. You know, I mean, it's just all right. And then the next lead-in to that, to that wonderful chase scene music is like this, this string lick that goes, and I mean, it's just, it's all the connective tissue you need in that movie just to get you know, those wonderful lines, the special effects, and it's just like you hear that string thing kick off and you're ready to jump out of your seat and run around the room because you're, and nothing's happened yet. You haven't gotten to the chase, but it's built it up just so wonderfully. Um, yeah, it, it really, it really can add a lot to all, to a, to a, to a scene. I'm convinced that if it's a superhero movie, you have to be able to say the name of the superhero during part of the anthem. Okay. Superman. There you go. I don't know how that works for any other movie, but that's that's my. It doesn't have to work for any other movie. Just for Superman. That's right. That's right. I'm sitting here with this. The Superman is your go-to guy. There, you for both you guys. All right. So, do we want to go through the torture of now being forced to go through our categories that we came up with? Yeah. All right. Let's do it. Okay. So we're going to start with is our our one of our other questions. Uh, we're going to ask ourselves this after we run through this category. So we're going to start with our favorite film composers. And okay. One of the things about this list is we, you know, we, so here's kind of the backstory for anybody listening. Um, we kind of put together a Google document for ourselves and we were, uh, we're doing kind of the planning of this by giving ourselves, you know, five or six lines in each table here. And, uh, and we gave to all the different hosts that we knew were going to be on this with us. Um, you know, we gave each of these categories, gave everybody a chance to put in the uh, name of the composers or the songs or the, whatever they wanted to. And so I'm, I'm looking at our list now and I tried to, if you guys are looking at it right now, I could try to highlight some of the different ones that we all had in common. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll just go ahead and jump in our, with our favorite film composers. And I've noticed in this one in particular, we all had a lot of them in common. So I think, yeah. Why don't we just go through and I'll, I'll start with Bo. Now, uh, Bo, we may edit in some of Bo's stuff later on. Uh, we'll pull back the curtain here and uh, we may edit some of his stuff in later on. He was having some uh, home repair stuff going on, so he couldn't make it tonight. But he did say, you know, go ahead and, and read off my stuff and, and feel free to use that as part of the discussion. So I'll read off Bo's stuff and then, uh, Jeff, you can do yours and then uh, I'll do mine. And then, Pat, you can do your list, too. So we'll read them all off and then we can go through and kind of kind of talk about them one at a time. Uh, so Bo, for his, he had John Williams, James Horner, Hans Zimmer, Alan Silvestri, and Danny Elfman. Um, and Bo said, and I don't know, I don't know if you guys did this. I don't know if I did this. Uh, Bo said his are not in any particular order. So mm. Did not mm. necessarily rank them that way. Um, right. But yeah. So Jeff, why don't you go ahead and do yours? Okay. Well, so I only have four on mine, and I'm. Not really in any particular order, and the elusive fifth place on this list is kind of like Pat's top five movies, and the fifth one just remains open to have uh, a, a rotation of sorts. Yeah. What I have down, I have John Williams, uh, Ennio Morricone, James Horner, and Hans Zimmer. On mine, I have John Williams, James Horner, Alan Silvestri, Michael Giacchino, and Hans Zimmer. 
And uh, I, as well, I'm going to go with the triumvirate of John Williams, James Horner, Hans Zimmer. And then I have Elmer Bernstein and John Barry. We all picked John Williams, even Dennis, because he didn't fill out his, so we picked for him. And so we all picked John Williams. Why do you pick John Williams? Why is he, and, and why do you think he is the one pick across everybody's choices? I think because he's composed just about like, you know, 90% of my favorite movies he's written the music for. Your favorite Olympics and, and CNN. And, and Oh, exactly. And I, I think that, I mean, you know, and which I say humbly because no one's asking me to compose music for anything, but I mean, just what he puts together um, and, and, and how we can get music that will fit with whatever particular movie he's writing it for and how it's iconic themes that you can go back and listen to and how these music, the, the music is, is, is still listened to today and people can still recognize these old, even while well, Star Wars is old now, but I mean, these movies from long ago, just because, you know, he wrote them so well. And I think the, you know, not only is it just excellent music, but of anybody out there, he is like an, I, I mean, he's practically a household name. Even if you're not like, uh, you know, a film buff, or if you're not a musician, or you don't, you're not in the trade or any of that kind of stuff, people have heard of John Williams. Right. And I think that, you know, just, in, you know, incredibly well-written music, incredibly prolific career. And, you know, he's attained almost pop culture status. So I, I don't, you know, that's, to me, that's, you know, you really... He's, he's kind of like set the standard, you know, he is the benchmark. Yeah, I, I would agree with, with all of that. And I think he, uh, you know, he's just, his body of work is evidence of the, the vast dynamics of his musical playground. Mm -hmm. You know, the, I mean, there's, there's not a style of music that he cannot do, let alone do incredibly well. So I, th I think, you know, like you said, he just, he set the standard for so many different, uh, so many different parts of being a composer that I think he, he's going to be almost anybody's first choice in terms of favorite composer. You know, I, I think he might get a handful of those that would come up with somebody else just to try to be different. Mm -hmm. But, you know, like, you know, like you said, 90% of, of your, your favorite movies, you know, Almost all of my favorite movies he, he, he's involved in. So, you know, of course he's going to be, uh, you know, he's going to be on at the top of my list as well. I mean, I'm just, I'm more familiar with his work than I think anybody else's in, in all of Hollywood. And even, you know, to me, he kind of reminds me, and, and oddly enough, because he's worked with the guy several times, he reminds me of like a Steven Spielberg. Like I think of, I think of Spielberg movies, and even my least favorite Spielberg movie is probably, you know, way ahead of a whole bunch of other people, um, you know. And I honestly, I really can't think of a Spielberg movie that I don't like. Same thing with John Williams. I can't think of a John Williams score, even if I don't particularly care for the movie. The music mm -hmm. is still amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I was, I'm, I've got his IMDb page up right now, and I'm looking at it. And I'm like, okay, Jaws. Um, Star Wars, Close Encounters, which is I think coming back out in the theaters or, or was back out in theaters maybe a couple weeks ago. Uh, Raiders uh, of the Lost Ark, nineteen forty-one. Close Encounters, I think, is next week. Is it next week? Okay, I think so. Okay, so um, yeah, I mean, just the Indiana Jones movies, the uh, Jurassic he did the Park, list. I mean, 
Yeah, he did Midway March too, didn't he? From you know when the the movie Midway. Yeah. And it's it's what he writes. It's good music. And I mean, I don't want to say good like like a diss. I mean, it's just as opposed to bad. It is good. It is very very good music. Well, even when we I mean, last year we watched the movie Space Camp, and mm-hmm. I remember watching that movie as a kid. I remember liking that movie as a kid. Is that movie a great movie? No, not necessarily. It's an okay movie. Uh, it's not a great movie. But the music is good. And even mm-hmm. so, I mean, just even his, even the worst movie that his music is in is still really good music. Yeah. Yeah. And I still remember as a, you know, there are times where I will listen to, even as a kid, I might have listened to the music that's in a movie and I might have known right away that that was John Williams because there's just certain, and, and you know, with most composers, there's certain things that you can pick up and say, oh, that kind of sounds like Hans Zimmer, or that sounds like James Horner, or that sounds like Danny Elfman. Um, I remember even as a kid, like uh, one of my other favorite movies as a kid was Hook. And I, for a really long time, I, I didn't realize that was John Williams. But I remember as a kid thinking, you know, this, some of this kind of sounds really familiar. Like this, I'd watch the movie, I'd be like, you know, this sounds a little bit like um, sounds a little bit like a, there's some Star Wars in there a little bit. There's like a little bit of Indiana Jones. Um, you know, there's, a, there's just little bits and pieces here and there of these other movies that I really know and love. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and just, just the fact that even as a child, if you can pick up on that and think, yeah, that sounds a little bit, there's a there's tiny bits of E.T. in there. Um, you know, then you, you know you got something pretty good if that's, if you can tell that as a child. Yeah. Oh yeah, Dominic has gotten really into the Jurassic Park soundtrack. He wants to watch yes. the movie. Yeah, he uh he wants to watch the movie because a, a buddy of his was talking about Jurassic World, and so he was asking about. It. I'm like, well, I don't know. Let me think about that, buddy. I'm, you know, but we've been listening to the soundtrack, and it's funny because ever since he was a little, well, a littler kid, we'd put soundtracks in, and he'd say, and, and his first question, "What's happening now?" Yeah. What's happening now? And it's it's funny because you know the the Jurassic Park one came on, and he goes. How come they keep playing da 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 and he sings the melody and I'm just like well buddy that's called a theme and they're represent you know you notice how here they're playing it with a piano to represent you know a little bit it's a little bit more of a delicate scene notice how here it's with the brass with drums underneath okay well that's because they're really excited and going to the island and then all of a sudden it changes and he goes wow okay now this is what I would expect and he was reading the the title of the t- song he said okay now this is what i'd expect when it says raptor attack and you know so you know he he's eight years old and the music's strong enough that he's already picking out parts of the story and predicting what's happening based on the sounds that he's hearing based on the themes and that's I mean, awesome i'm, I'm yeah. gonna point out right now that our kids are gonna grow up to be giant nerds because i've done the exact same thing with my two right like they will that's right. their first question it's like what's happening now like i'll put on soundtracks in the car sometimes and they'll be like, what's happening now? What's this movie about? What's this? What's this? And yeah. exact same thing. And, and we'll kind of talk about, well, you know, it's there. The music. Why, why do you think the music is a, a little bit of a faster pace here? Or why are they playing the lower notes? You know, is it supposed to be something scary? Is it something, you know, is it, is it slower because it's, you're trying to build up to some kind of surprise or, or build some tension and then make people worried while they're mm-hmm. listening to the music. And uh, so same kind of thing. Now um, you were saying you're, you're waiting to, to decide when you're going to show him Jurassic Park? Well, I'm just, I, I just got to go back and, you know, I, it's, I could, I know what happens in the movie, but I just got to go back and watch it and say, okay, how is an eight-year-old going to 
see this. You know, I mean, when the Velociraptor, you know, pulls the guy into the cage and is lifting him up and down and the body parts and everything like that, I, um, each kid's going to be totally different. And you know, you know, your kid better than anybody else does. Um, John, has, has John, I, has John I, Ezra seen it? I showed it to John Ezra when he was eight, we were going on a, a trip to California on the plane. Okay. That was the movie we downloaded to my iPad and we picked that he and I were sitting next to each other on the plane. And that's the movie we picked that we were going to watch. So I okay. figured by that point, um, you know, he was probably okay with it, but again, you know, his personality could be totally different than Dominic's. So, you know, every, every kid's, every kid's unique, but you know, John, was, I waited until John was eight to, to show him that eight okay. being nine. Yeah. Well, I think Dominic is, well, Dominic is eight. And I mean, you know, so I think he's definitely, he's definitely in the window, but uh, yeah. I, and actually that's kind of the feedback I wanted was to see what your thoughts are with that. So anyways, but just to uh, show how, how, good music can get someone fired up for that. And, I, and you know what? I'm just going to say, I don't think that's, I mean, I get what you're saying that our kids are going to grow up to be geeks and yeah, definitely. But I think that's good because you know, the next step, and I'm going to sound like a horrific music snob here, but Hey, you know what? There's good music out there and there's not so good music out there. And it's like, you know, your food groups. Sure. It's okay to have some candy and some sweets and all that. But when you can get and listen to music that actually does take analysis and does take Let's break this down and does take a higher level of thinking. I mean, that's, you know, you get this whole world unlocked, you know, and, and, and I, that's, that's cool that they're, that they're seeing that I think. Yeah. So, okay. So we all have, we all have John Williams. Um, we have, I think I've, do all of us have James Horner? Yes. I think all of us. Mm -hmm. have James Horner. Yeah. So we all have James Horner. So, um, and we've talked a little bit about, and some people have accused John Williams of this too. Um, some people accuse James Horner of copying his own music. Um, now I have, I've gone through after we kind of talked about that with, um, a couple of the other movies we've done, I've gone back and I've re-listened to his music and I don't know that it's so much a, a, an example of copying as it is the guy has, you know, the guy has patterns that he likes to use. Mm -hmm. And I think with any musician you're going to get, and, and that's the thing with, you know, you get that from John Williams. If I hear something and I think, you know what, I, if I, my eyes are closed and I don't even know what it is and I happen to hear it, I could say, that sounds like John Williams. And the more I listen to some more of James Horner stuff, I think that just sounds like James Horner. I mean, I, so what if he copies himself note for note in certain parts that, you know, the, the guy's got a pattern. It has definitely worked well for him. Um, so why did you, why did James Horner end up on your list? I guess is, is one of my questions. I just really love listening to his music. I mean, when I put on, and, and this is getting into some of the other lists, so I'll, I'll keep that for a little bit. But I mean, when I put on some of his mu music soundtracks, I, I find it very, very exciting to listen to. It, it's the themes that he uses, how he ties it into the story, really can get to the, I think, emotional core of what he's trying to tell. Um, I think it really helps frame the movies that he's doing. Um, and I think that, uh, uh, you know, I'll be honest. I was, when I was looking at some of my favorite movies, like, Oh, who wrote the music for this? More often than not, James Horner's name pops up. And I think, you know, our, I, we don't have to get too deep into our other discussion of, well, does he copy? And yeah, I think all the composers will follow certain themes. When you look at the sheer volume of what he's composed. Sure, it's, you, you can pick out some movies where, okay, well, this was the same, and this was the same, and this was the same. But unless we listen to all 150 or 160 of his soundtracks, 
it, you know, you, you really can't paint that brush because there was stuff, even stuff I was putting on this list. I was like, oh, wow, James Horner, he composed that. I, that doesn't sound like anything else that he's written. That's what, so that's kind of my simple reason for having James Horner there. I really, really love listening to his music. I don't even need to like think about the movie he's writing it for. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's very interesting and complex and complete music um, without considering does it support a movie or not, which obviously he, it supports the movies very well. But yeah, that's the reason he's on my list. I like his music. For me, I would have to say Field of Dreams. The, it, his, his compositions for Field of Dreams so beautifully captured the, the awe and the mystery and the hope and the, the regret and the relief that the movie offers. His orchestrations just, just got all of that. All of it so beautifully that when I think of movie music, you know, I, I envision the, the fog rolling in over the cornfields and, and, and hanging over the, the baseball field and listening to the French horn doing its, uh, playing its theme. And it's, it's beautiful. And this kind of gets into our question that we're going to, we're going to follow this up with, but um, you know, when I think about, when I went on to IMDb and I'm like, okay, I know, I, I mean, I could rattle off a whole bunch of different things that James Horner has done, but I went to IMDb and I just started to look through some of his other, uh, other things that he's composed music for. And, you know, I, I just kind of stopped. I mean, I, I started at the beginning and I started to look through and the minute I got to Star Trek II: the wrath of Khan, I'm like, you know what? I don't need to know anybody, anything else. Mm -hmm. Star Trek II: the wrath of Khan. And, and I, you know, some people, I've had discussions with people before about that movie and they're like, yeah, you know, it's kind of a slow movie and it's a, I don't know, what? like that movie or not. I know. And in which case, you know, I, I tell those people that you're horrible people and I can mm -hmm. no longer speak to you. Um, but uh, just the music in that movie alone, just, you know, the, the whole battle scene. Yep. Going through all that. Yep. I know that that gets reused in some of his other movies and I'm totally fine with that. I don't care. Um, but I, that movie alone, I, just the music in that movie, even as a child, I used to watch that movie as a kid with my dad. And just, it was the music that made each of those battle scenes. I mean, they were anyway, but you add his music to that. And Pat, I think you and I have talked about that before that, that, that Star Trek II: the wrath of Khan is one of the greatest submarine movies ever made. Yep. Yeah. And it's just the, the music is everything for those different mm -hmm. scenes. Um, you know, and then I went on through looking through his list of other things that he's done. And I, you know, I could just stop at star Trek two. I could stop at aliens. I could stop at willow and I could stop at rocketeer. And I'm like, you know what? I only knew those four. I mean, he, he's done a million other things that I love, but you give me those four and I'm good. That's all you need to know about James Horner is listen to those four soundtracks and you are good to go. All right. So we also had, I think we all had to we all have Hans Zimmer. Mm -hmm. We all had Hans yep. on our list. So, uh, why did Hans Zimmer make your list? Pirates of the Caribbean. Okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, that music is, that is fun music. Soundtrack. Yeah. I, mean, I just, I, I don't know how else to say it. It is fun. It, it, it's got all the, the, it's got all the excitement. Yeah. That, uh, that is, is, is woven through the story. I mean, 
mean, it's just, I mean, those, those movies, it's like, you, you think of like what makes a great pirate story. And you think, you know, it's, you get the idea of like, you're, you're on this ship and you're on the open sea and you just, his music is just, it, it, it just brings you into that whole scene. I mean, you got, of course you got Johnny Depp in those movies. Who's hilarious. Right. Just you're, you're taking, you're taking this, this whole thing that could be, I mean, a, it could be a pirate movie. That's kind of, you know, gruesome and violent and you got, you know, zombie pirates and things like that. But then you bring in, you know, you bring in his music, bring in Hans Zimmer's music. And it just, you know, like you were saying, Jeff, it just makes it, it just makes the whole thing fun. You know, you've got the, the fun of Johnny Depp being goofy as this, uh, as this pirate. And then you add the Hans Zimmer music and it's just, yeah, I, I agree. And it's, it's, uh, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to just jump in saying the same thing, but yeah, it's it with uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. It's just, it's just, it, you know, these big sweeping themes that he can get that can represent, you know, like heading out into the middle, you know, when Jack Sparrow talks about uh, the black pearl being freedom and, you know, how you can just get out and, and away from everything. The music just becomes this big sweeping deal like that. When they, when they have a love, uh, a love, uh, a love scene is what I'm trying to say. The music represents that. And then, you know, it's when you get to the, when you get to the adventure where they're out on the high season, but that's just cool. I mean, that's just cool stuff. So Jeff continue. I'm sorry. I think we, we kind of jumped in on you there. Yeah. I mean, you know, look, looking at the guy's body of work is just also overwhelming. Um, yeah. Look, you know, a, you know, a league of their own. I mean, what great, great music came out of that movie? Um, you know, the Batman movies, incredible music. Um, your favorite, Pearl Harbor. Oh, you beat me to that. I was going to make that comment. Yeah, well, but I will say he did compose one. He did compose my favorite. He did Dunkirk. And, yeah, and it's, it's, they're perpetually working together. Yeah, well, and it's funny because I want to say, I think, did he do the music for uh, um, Days of Thunder? Yeah, he did. And I want to say that I was thinking back on that movie just saying, oh, my gosh, what you talk about, like a cheese ball, just kind of fun. Like even NASCAR fans sometimes have a hard time with Days of Thunder because of it. But I thought, I wonder who did the music in that. I mean, because that was such an iconic theme in that movie that just captured it just really captured what that movie was supposed to be, what that movie was supposed to be. And then it was like, Oh, Hans Zimmer. Yeah. So I, I mean, yeah, you run down his IMDB page and it's like, geez, that guy, that guy's composed a whole lot of cool stuff. You get to some of, yeah. I mean, you get to some of the other, the other stuff in here and it's like inception. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have, I, I have that soundtrack and you know, I, I've heard some people complain. They're like, yeah, you know, inception, it's just more of the kind of stuff that Hans Zimmer does. And, uh, you know, just kind of loud noises. And, but you know what? Couple that with the scenes in the movie. I, I mean, it just brings, every time I listen to it, it brings me back to that whole scene at the end of the movie where you have the, you have each of the teams working in, in each of the different levels of the dream world. And it just, the whole thing works together perfectly.
I can, every time I hear that soundtrack, I can picture exactly what's going on on the screen. Okay. Yeah. And I, and I will say he's also got, I mean, he's got the music for you. I mean, take, take a movie. That's not a great movie and say, you know, add in there that it's got some good music to it is Batman versus Superman. He did the music for Steel. He did the music for Batman versus Superman. Um, I think, is he doing the music for justice league? I was going to look and see. I don't know if he is or not. Um, oh, he's doing the music for Blade Runner, the new Blade Runner movie. Um, right. But uh, Man of Steel. I mean, I, originally when I was putting together the some of my options for these other categories that we had, I was going back and forth on whether to include Man of Steel in one of my favorite soundtracks of all time. Because I tried to, I remember going into that movie, going to see it for the first time. I kept thinking, when I think of Superman, I immediately think of that John Williams score. I think of I think of the Superman mm-hmm. theme. I think of the Planet Krypton theme. I think of all of that stuff. If I can go into this Superman movie, and and if the if the visuals and the heart of the Superman character is there, and and if the music is there, then this is going to be a great movie. And I know not everybody agrees with me on this, but I when I think of Man of Steel, I remember going to that. And I remember buying the soundtrack the day it came out and thinking, you know what? I'm not going to say that this is as good i'm not going to say that this is better or maybe even as good as the john williams score but it's really close like there are some great pieces of music in that man of steel soundtrack and that might actually be i I struggled with whether i was going to put that on my favorite soundtracks of all time like my top five and it it Mm -hmm. took a while to decide not to put it i don't think i put it on there but um it i mean i love so much about that soundtrack before we get to a couple of these other uh, ones that we didn't necessarily have in common, um, let me ask you guys this. When I look at this list of composers, they're all very modern composers. Now, a couple of them, no. I mean, some of the ones that you had unique, uh, you know, Morricone and, and John Barry and Albert Bernstein, they're not, I wouldn't necessarily call them modern composers. Um, but does it worry you or, or is it just because maybe we are younger, so we have more experience with these composers? We don't have a lot of older composers on this list. Does that worry you at all, or do you think that's just a sign of you know these are the movies that we grew up with and that's what we love? And it, it doesn't it doesn't worry me. I think you're exactly right. I think these are the movies that we grew up with, and I think that's just what imprints on you. If you asked my father or your father or Jeff's father, perhaps or mother or whoever, you know, um, I'm sure that they would probably remember the soundtrack of the movies they grew, grew up with. I think that's just kind of human nature. And I mean, you know, I think. When I when I originally did the list, I I took James Horner, Hans Zimmer, and John Williams off because I thought, oh well, those guys will talk about them. I'm just going to throw some other guys up there, you know, to to just kind of spice up the list. And they were they were composers from you know it was Henry Mancini, um, uh, Lalo Schifrin. I mean, you know, it, it's it's these these older guys. But I just think when I looked at Henry Mancini. And Lalo Schifrin and and that, it was like, okay, well, they composed these couple of movies that I've seen and these couple of movies. But when you look at like the big three and the modern composers, I come back to, I've seen more of those movies. And I think that comes back to your earlier statement of that's just what we've grown up with. So, you know, I I don't, I don't think it's a, a matter of, well, we're not listening to older composers, you know, I just think it's, you know, movies are entertainment and we tend to see more of the movies that we kind of remember movies from when we were a kid on up. And I think that's why these guys get the bulk of the appreciation. Yeah. 
All right, so let's do some of the ones that we've got uh, that are fairly unique to our list. Uh, let's see, you've got, Jeff, you had uh, Ennio Marconi. Yes. Why did, why did you make it to your list? Oh, I mean, his his Western scores were... Whoa, whoa! Like, yeah, like, oh, so great. Because, mm-hmm. when, I mean, when you talk about music to accompany a scene where there's no dialogue... His music just does all the speaking. What is your, if you had to pick a favorite movie of his, what would you choose? A favorite Morricone movie? Yeah. The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Okay. Stands out for sure. I second that. Untouchables would be, you know, is, is another one. Probably those would, would be the ones that really stand out for me. I mean, the, the whole the, the whole Man With No Name trilogy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Good, Bad, and the Ugly is like, if you have the patience to sit through a movie, that is one worth sitting through. Pat, you had you had John Barry on your list. What uh, is it? The Bond movies? It's the Bond movies, okay. and I. It's funny because I've, you know, and I came to it kind of backwards. I mean, one of the Bond movies is on a later list that we're going to talk about, and then I was researching it. And, you know, Monty Alexander wrote the theme, and then I got reading about it and, and all that, and they said, well, he wrote the theme for Bond, but then John Barry wrote, you know, arranged it, you know, for the instrumental, and then I looked through, and they said that. He, um, he, you know, he wrote the soundtrack for just about, you know, all the, almost all the Sean Connery bonds into the Roger Moore bonds, you know, just that real, those real formative years, formative, I'm talking about a spread of like 10, 15 years, but I mean, just that, that, that early bond sound that I am just head over heels in love with that music. I mean, and so when I saw that, wow, this guy composed most of it, um, it was, uh, um, that was that was that was pretty cool and kind of as a side note i heard an interview with some I, it was supposedly some famous studio guitarist that um w- when the bond theme was coming out he they were like we got to give it something else we got to do something to like spice it up and it was like the studio guitarist and i heard him interviewed and he says oh well you just want to throw on a little bit of like something that the kids will enjoy and this was in the 60s and so he threw like a guitar in there it was like a guitar and like a surf you know what you'd hear with like surf rock and that's kind of how it all came together John Barry's on there just because all of those Bond movies, I love that music so much. And it was, I mean, and it wasn't like a one, a one shot deal. I mean, he, he wrote a heck of a lot of Bond films and um, I kind of want to go through the list of his non Bond films too. Cause I might've even been 
enjoying that and not realizing it. But well, that's, um, that's why I, that's I, why he's on there. I did want to point out very very quickly because I know Dennis would would feel horrible if he missed this. Uh, John Barry did do the soundtrack for Howard the Duck. Oh, did he really? Yeah. So I, I know Dennis would definitely want me to mention that because that's one of his favorite movies of all time. Uh, so I just I want to throw that out there just to make sure that that Dennis his voice is heard. Well, that's we do want to make everybody's voices heard. Yeah. So yeah. that's where I come and, to with John Barry. And Dennis loves the Cubs, so I just want to say that, and make sure that that's recorded for all time. Uh, right. Thanks for, thanks for being here, Dennis. Um, yeah, no, John. I, I was looking at the IMDb page for John Barry too, and I was like, yeah. There just there's so many things here. If I I would have no money left if I tried to go buy all of the you know, all the different uh, soundtracks. But, I mean, definitely the Bond ones. I used to have the, was it the 20 years of Bond? No, it wasn't 20 years. It was the f- maybe 15th anniversary. Mm-hmm. Oh, I bet it was 20. It was the 20th anniversary. They came out with a, a, a soundtrack, and I had it on cassette tape. And uh, it was like the best of Bond. Right. I, I wore that tape out. I mean, that's one of those the, one of those cassette tapes that I just played and played and played until the thing disintegrated was that. Right. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Uh, all right. So you've got Pat. You've also got Elmer Bernstein on here. Yeah, Elmer Bernstein. Yeah, you I mean, too, buddy. Yeah, I mean, Magnificent Seven and The Great Escape. I mean, two incredible movies. I'm sure he's done a ton. Of, I mean, didn't didn't he do Ghostbusters too, mm-hmm. or Ghostbusters as well? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, those those are the only ones I really know. If I went on his IMDb page, I would probably be surprised with all the other stuff he's composed. And wow, I didn't. But I'll tell you. Those themes have such power over me. I mean, I already told the story about The Magnificent Seven. Great Escape is one of my favorite movies, and that that theme just captures so well the spirit of that movie, the the different, you know, the the motorcycle chase and whatnot. It's just, I really like his music. He did Three Amigos as well. Oh, he did the Three Amigos as well. I just, I have to, I have to go through and list off some of the ones he's done. He did, uh, he did the music, the the score for Animal House. Okay. He did, uh, meatballs. He did Stripes. He did Airplane. He did American Werewolf in London. Uh, he did Trading Places. He did Ghostbusters. He did Black Cauldron, that Disney one that we watched. Um, he did Spies Like Us. He did Three Amigos. Um, he did Leonard Part Six, which is a really horrible movie. I was going to review this year, and then I couldn't find a copy because I wasn't. Movie is awful. It's a horrible movie. Um, what else did he do? He did. Uh, he did Canadian Bacon. That's a fun one. Yeah, um, I did. He did, uh, what else? Uh, Wild Wild West. That's a horrible movie. The one with Will Smith? Yeah. That's, you think that's, do you say that's horrible or just you don't like it? That's not a good movie. All right. I mean, it has some fun moments, but it's not, it's not a good movie. Okay. Well, that's, I'm just. Okay. We can we can agree to disagree. It's fine. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna uh, I'm not gonna debate the point. I was just making sure that I was yeah. on the same page. You know what else he did, which I'm just now realizing, is um, 
To Kill a Mockingbird. Oh. He was a composer for the, yeah, for Mockingbird. Just makes me wow. laugh. If I didn't, yes. if, if I couldn't love that movie any more than I already do. I know. This just kicked it up to 11 for you. You know, John, John, I'm, I'm going to mention something that I said I wasn't going to talk about because I didn't want to extend this whole thing further, but we have to talk about some of these guys. And, and I'm going to mention just a few names representative of the whole company's work. And that would be the Sherman Brothers and Alan Menken and Howard Ashman and Randy Newman and anyone that's ever composed a Disney film. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like you, we, we, we just we can't talk about music and movies and not mention Disney films. Mm-hmm. It's I mean it, the, the 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 music from a Disney film time and time again is just it it, it elevates the the whole experience. I will I, students when I when I would talk about movie stuff in class sometimes or I'd be talking to some of my students. I mean, I would say things like uh, there was at one point in time that I, I don't remember what we were talking about, but I mentioned that the little mermaid is one of my favorite soundtracks. Mm-hmm. And they just stared at me. They're like, wait, the little mermaid is one of you. Uh, yeah. Have you listened to the songs on that? Uh, no, it's the little mermaid. I, well, fine. You're lost then. Yeah. That's a great soundtrack. Yeah, it is. Well, that, that soundtrack, that movie, did so much to to revitalize the the Disney animated machine. Yeah. But we'll we'll talk about that aspect when we get in in a couple of years when we get to that movie. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But, yeah. I mean, for for when I was looking at my list or putting together my list of '80s soundtracks, I had that one on there for a bit. I've got yeah. on my list. I had Alan Silvestri, which Bo also had on his list. Yeah. Uh, Just, you know, same thing. When I started looking down the list of the things that he's composed, I'm like, are you, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, Back to the Future. Delta Force. Maybe I wasn't such a huge fan of the movie, but the music, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the rest of the, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Predator 2, uh, The Abyss. Um, you know, I'm just, I, I just look at the list of his, you know, and then more recently he's done the Avengers movies, Forrest Gump. Um, you know, it's just another one of those that you look down this list and you're like, this is pretty much everything I grew up on. Uh, yes. so night at the museum that had some great music in it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just, I just look at that and I know he's going to be doing some of the music for the upcoming Avengers movies too, the infinity war. And, um, Oh, I didn't even realize he's doing the music for the ready player one movie too. So, um, you know, he's just another one of those guys that. I, I know that when I hear when I hear like one of his anthems, when I hear like the Back of the Future music, or I hear the Avengers music, then I just I'm like, you know what? That's yes. Like, give me more of that. 
Um, so he's on my list. He was also on Bo's list too. Uh, Bo had, so I'll jump in here. I'll let Bo, if he has a chance to record something and send it in, I'll let him talk more about it. But Bo had Danny Elfman on his list. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's another great one too. When you think about like Batman and Beetlejuice and some of those other really uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure and and some of that stuff. I mean, Nightmare Before Christmas. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, you think of you think of his stuff, and it's another one of those composers that you know on occasion, on occasion I'll hear something and I'm like, you know what? I I feel like I know that composer's name, but I, oh man, it's just it's on the tip of my tongue. If I hear something that's Danny Elfman, I know right away it's Danny Elfman. He's just one of those that has such a such a distinctive style that I know it's him almost right away. Um, so I'll let, but if Bo wants to record something and, and send that into us, we'll edit that in and, and drop it here in the episode. Um, the other one I had was Michael Giacchino. And I know he's a he's a, a little bit of a newer composer, but every time I hear any of his music, whether it's from the new Star Trek movies, uh, whether it's from Jurassic World, um, you know, I, I think he just does a great job. I, I loved the soundtrack for the 2009 Star Trek movie. I thought that was a great soundtrack. And ever since then, any of the other stuff that he's done, whether it's, um, you know, taking over from somebody like John Williams, you know, to take over the, the Jurassic Park movies and do Jurassic World or even Rogue One, uh, you know, take that stuff over. I remember going into Rogue One and thinking, all right, this is the first Star Wars movie that doesn't have John Williams. How's the music going to be? And I was a little bit worried about it, but the moment I sat down in my seat and I was watching Rogue One and it gets to that very first scene where, you know, it doesn't do the, it doesn't do the opening crawl like the rest of the movies do. It, it, it takes a few minutes into the movie and all of a sudden you get that huge anthem that comes up and it puts the words Rogue One up on the screen. And from that moment, I was like, you know what? He's, he's done his job. He has taken, I was worried about this movie because it wasn't going to have John Williams in it. He has taken John Williams' style of music. He's put his own spin on it, and it, it still sounds amazing. So, yeah. you know. Who did, uh, who did the music for, um, he didn't do the music for Superman Returns, did he? Uh, no, Superman Returns was, was that um, John, somebody, that wasn't John Debney, was it? That's fine. The reason I ask is because it... it oh, John, John Ottman is the name of the guy that did Superman okay. Return. But he also did a really nice job of taking the John Williams music and kind of putting his own little spin on it. That's And that's why I was wondering if that was one of... If that was Michael Giacchino or not, because he, he does that. It, it, he really... Yeah. Yeah. Exactly what you just said. He's good at that. So, so real quick. So based on our list of, of uh, each of our composers that we've got here. So one of our questions that we, when we decided that we hated ourselves and we wanted to ask ourselves things to like really narrow things down. One of the questions that we've got on here is uh, for this favorite composers question. If you could only choose one example of that person's work to share with someone who had never heard that music before, what would you choose? One song or one movie? I went with one song. If you want to do one movie, that's fine. I'll go. I'll, let me go. Let me do my list real quick. That'll give you guys some time to think if you need, if you need a minute, uh, John Williams, I put the battle of Yavin. So when you've got the, the X wings going down the trench at the very end of the movie, that last kind of eight minutes of music, 
uh, from when they start the attack on the Death Star in uh, the original Star Wars to the minute the, the Death Star explodes, that piece of music. I cannot tell you how many times I have been leaving work and just have like had a, a crappy day and I'm like, you know what? I just need to put on some music that's going to make me happy. And I put that music on and I, I really try to make sure that I'm not driving too fast when I play that music, pretending that I'm running down a Death Star trench ready to blow something up. But the amount of times I can put that music on and I can run through, I can quote every line from that scene. It's like an eight minute long thing. And, and you know, it just, I get goosebumps every time it gets to the point where I know that the Death Star has just exploded. And that piece of music is just that if I had to pick one thing from John Williams, all the stuff that he's ever done, I would pick that one. Cause I feel like it's got a good mixture of all the different little bits and pieces of that he's capable of. So that would be my John Williams. My James Horner would be the Rocketeer theme. And I, I kind of lean on that one because the Rocketeer is one of my favorite movies of all time. But at the same time, I think that the Rocketeer theme has a lot of the different little bits and pieces, like the French horn stuff and a lot of the little bits and pieces of things that, that uh, James Horner is really good at. I think he does that very, very well in the Rocketeer theme. Uh, if I was going to pick one for Alan Silvestri, I would pick from Back to the Future. Um, uh, I think the song title is It's Been Educational and the Clock Tower. The scene where Marty is is getting in the time machine and he is there. They've got a time it just right so that he hits the uh, he hits the wires they've set up so that he can go back to 1985 that whole scene where he's getting ready you know trying to trying to get the car running again and doc is trying to get the all the wires hooked up for the clock tower just, just that whole thing that one's the one i picked for silvestri for michael giacchino i actually went with one of the songs from the night of uh, 2009 star trek i went with the theme enterprising young men um and it's the it's got a kind of that little beat that starts real quiet and then kind of builds up uh, to kind of the main theme from that Star Trek movie. Um, just thought that that was kind of a, a great example of his work. And then Hans Zimmer, I chose from Man of Steel. I chose the uh, flight song when uh, Clark Kent Superman flies for the first time. So that's my list. This is my flight song. No, is that not it? That would not have been as good. I don't know if I would have been as happy yeah. hmm. if Clark started singing that. Funny, maybe it would have brought that lighthearted tone to uh, Batman versus Superman if they did that instead. <laughs> so I think for John Williams, um, the piece, my, the piece that I go to a lot is the theme from E.T. I feel like that piece of music in and of itself in the what four or five, six minutes that it is takes you on the complete ride of, the, uh, of watching the movie. You, you know, it, if you're familiar enough with the movie, you can experience all of it just in listening to the, 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 the movie theme the title theme from, from E.T. So that's kind of my go-to for John Williams. Mm -hmm. uh, for Morricone, uh, Good, Bad, and the Ugly. Um, James Horner, Field of Dreams, like I said. Um, Hans Zimmer, um, Pirates of the Caribbean, specifically, the uh, He's a Pirate. 
track, mm-hmm. which is the dun dun da dun dun da dun dun da dun 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 that whole thing, and also uh, a league of their own. I think league of their own has some great orchestrations in it. And then, like I said, I left my uh, the fifth spot blank, um, but you know, just, you know, Danny Elfman's Nightmare Before Christmas and some of his orchestrations for the uh, Tim Burton films, Batman. I mean, my goodness, um, you know, and and Pat, I, I'm I'm going to lean a little bit in your column, Elmer Bernstein, Magnificent Seven. Okay. And I'll leave it at that and you can go now. All right. Well, I will, I will take right where you left it and pick it up. Elmer Bernstein, the great escape March. That's easy for me. Um, Hans Zimmer, the, um, um, the gladiator where they're, whatever it is, where they're in the uh, Coliseum and, you know, and, and just when they get to the Coliseum and you, and the music just kind of falls into this low, boom 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 you know and you're just this is like this pit of your in your stomach and then it just it's just a slow build dum, bum, 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 bum. you know and you're building into this combat this this music and then they end up on the on the, the you know the sand in the in the um arena and that's when maximus is have any of you been in the army okay well this is what happens we're going to stick together and then just as the 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 um the other team of gladiators busts out the door in their chariots. Um, the music just goes over the top. And then right when, and, it, and it's perfect because right when the battle turns, the music just explodes and it, you're just off for the, you're, it's off to the races. And so I would say for Hans Zimmer, definitely the uh, gladiator um, uh, uh, arena combat, whatever the, the song title is. I think they call it the Coliseum. I don't know, whatever the heck it is. But it's part of the movie when they're fighting in the Coliseum. Um, John Barry, probably from, uh, I think it originally came out in Thunderball, but that music where it has that real fast rhythm, that and they have the, then the theme comes over with the and I'm going to run out of my voice and it's going to be embarrassing, but it, it's this real uh, uh, cool, you know, adventure chase theme and it, chase theme and it popped up throughout the movie. And I think they bring it back in some of the other ones, you know, um, maybe it's uh, you only live twice when he's flying in the helicopter. And, um, you know, like I said, I know it comes out in Thunderball when um, uh, he's chasing that the disco volante, the, the bad guy, number two's ship. You know, and that thing's running across. And the so that that's what I would say for John Barry. And then John Williams, I would go with Return of the Jedi, the sail barge assault, where, uh, you know, it starts with those hits in the low brass where Luke jumps off the thing, grabs the lightsaber, and then you hear the, the Star Wars theme. And, you know, boy, like I said, if that. Yeah, that whole thing. Yeah, if that doesn't get you excited as a kid jumping up and down and excited as an adult jumping up and down, there's something wrong with you. So. Those would be my uh, choices for an example of this person's work. Oh, I, I still, for that whole scene from Return of the Jedi, I still pretend that there's a plank off of my couch and I you know, try to do a flip off of it and catch the lightsaber in midair. And you don't That's to, awesome. You don't have to be a kid for that. Um, no doubt. I was going to say, with your whole John Barry thing, you can start a John Barry acapella group if you wanted to. Yeah, maybe I got to learn how to sing first. But once I do that, I, that would be that would be outstanding. 
Didn't you, hey, uh, I'm digressing. Didn't you say there was some band that you guys really knew down at U of I that covered um, the power of love and they started with an acapella thing with the Back to the Future theme? Bum, 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 ba-da-dum, bum, bum, way off key and that's embarrassing, but didn't. Uh, no, actually, it's, yeah, it's a group that started at Illinois State. And okay. My sister was friends, or at least was in classes with either the lead singer. Uh, they're called I Fight Dragons. Right. Okay. Yeah, their their uh, their albums are a lot of fun. They um, a lot of it is it sounds like uh, video game style music, like the eight bit or sixteen bit music. Uh, they right. Get, sometimes they call that chip tune music. It kind of sounds like if you were playing uh, music with a, a an old Game Boy, you know, the same kind of sound you get out of that, and um, yeah, a lot of their songs are, are just really fun songs, but one of them is they do a cover of The Power of Love, and they do start with that first start, and they do it kind of yeah. and then it goes right on into uh, it goes right on into the, the song itself. Um, I'll probably just, I'll, you know, after we're done recording, I'll probably drop that in here so people can hear it, but uh, yeah, it's like it's a really fun cover of the song. Cool. All right, so that was favorite film composers. Let's just, we'll keep the torture going. Uh, what are your favorite film scores of all time? Oh, man. Here, I'll, I'll, read, off, I'll read off Bo's, and that'll give you guys a second to take a breath and, and, and keep going. Uh, Bo had Star Wars, uh, James Bond. I think he, uh, he asked, is that allowed? I think he just meant like every James Bond movie ever made. Um, and then he also had Batman 89. He had 2001 A Space Odyssey, and he had The Terminator. All right, Jeff, that's all the time I can give you. Now you've got to give your answer. Well, so a lot of mine I've, I have already been talked about. Jurassic Park and E.T. Um, so, I mean, Jurassic Park one of being one of my all-time favorite films, and there's, there, there's a part that I in my head I always go to when the, the first time that uh, Dr. Grant and Dr. Sadler see the dinosaur. Yes. And the camera is, you know, pans way back and then pans up because the dinosaur is on its two, uh, two hind legs eating from the top branches of a tree. And the music just crescendos and swells and just over the, 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 the music becomes as large as the dinosaur they're looking at. Welcome to Jurassic Park. Yeah. Like that, that whole moment, yeah. what music does there is just phenomenal. It's one of those goosebumps moments. So you're watching that and you just like every time you watch it, you sometimes I watch that and I feel like, you know, I'm not going to get excited this time as I do every other time. Yeah. No, no, no I, every I, time, every time, I, every time. And then, like I said, the, the, you know, the ET just has a, a beautiful, oh, yeah. uh, beautiful soundtrack all throughout the movie. Um, Magnificent seven and great escape. I have on here as well. Um, you know, because because again, th those are movies where music will often say things that words aren't saying. And then um, my last one, I kind of cheated a little bit. That's not a I, cheat, man. That's well played. I, I went I went with Fantasia mm -hmm. because it it just it samples so Absolutely. many different styles of music. Yeah, that to have that collection of music. Like, you know, if you were just to sit and put on the soundtrack to Fantasia and not even thinking about so much how 
it's animated, but just sit back and go, wow, they really took music from all these composers and found a way to bring it together in this one medium. It's incredible. Specifically from Fantasia, I love, love, love the um, the way that they blend Night on Bald Mountain. Oh my gosh, I know where you're going. Into, into Ave Maria. Oh my gosh, that's an awesome part. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 if, if that doesn't somehow just punch you in the gut a little bit when, when, when you go from so dark to so bright and hopeful that, you know, if you're not feeling anything there, then you have no soul. You know, so. um, yeah. Little, little bit of a tangent. Um, what is, cause I've never seen it. Fantasia 2000. Was that just like oh. an updating of Fantasia or was that new songs? What, I remember hearing about it, but I've never seen it. That was, um, go watch it tonight. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was different music. So okay. they tried, they tried to do the same thing again by introducing more music. Okay, is it? I don't want to say it's as good as the original Fantasia, but is it? I mean, is, Pat, you say go see it now. Is it worth watching? Um, yeah, yes. I mean, I said that without hesitation. I mean, and and it was music teacher here, but yeah, it was it was just um, it is out. It, Fantasia and Fantasia 2000 are just like outstanding works of art. I mean, ex everything Jeff said was exact. I, I mean, I, I agree with 100%. Um, and it's just, it's just more Fantasia, more better. And, you know, they, they do things slightly different, you know, where they get some, uh, you know, uh, I don't want to do, do too many spoilers, but they get some other, you know, they get some people to do some cameos and lead-ins and stuff. But I mean, the music they pick in the animations and all that, the way they do that, it, it's just, for me, it's just more and more better. To say which one I mean, you like, go ahead, Jeff. Rhapsody, they, they bring in Rhapsody in Blue, which is such a, a fun piece of music. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it just starts out with, with that with that clarinet, that, that blue note on, on the clarinet. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I mean, the, that piece of music in and of itself is, is brilliant. So to include that in this, you know, and 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 they do um, what's another one they have in there? Pomp and Circumstance, I think, is in there. Pomp and Circumstance, uh, Carnival of the Animals, I think, is in there. So, the Pines of Rome, they got the Pines of Rome in there. Um, they have uh, uh, the uh, the Firebird is in there. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's it, it's a great sampling of music. Yeah. I don't I, I don't know if they animated as well i mean okay yes the animation looks good but in terms of how well the animation fits what you're hearing in the music mm -hmm. i don't think it's as well done as the original fantasia okay okay yeah i'll have to yeah. i remember hearing about it when it came out and but i just never I've definitely seen the original Fantasia many times, but I just never, never got a chance to see Fantasia 2000. I didn't know if it was worth it. Yeah. And they used the Chicago symphony orchestra for it too. And that was back in 2000 and I'm going to be a trumpet guy here, but they had the greatest trumpet player in the world as their principal trumpet at that point. And uh, so you get to hear him for, you know, you get to hear him in stereo or surround or whatever your, your uh, sound system is. I'll tell you, supposedly, and Jeff, I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, or John, correct me if I'm wrong, but I want to say that the original plan was 
I, I, Disney wanted to do something like Fantasia every couple of years. Just pick more music to get that classical music out there and then get, you know, a chance for the uh, animators or whatever, you, you know, the artists to kind of like stretch out a little bit. And uh, that, that was his plan was to come up with like a multitude of these things. And it obviously never happened, but yeah. That's cool. Okay. All right. Uh, let's see. On my list, I had, uh, I had, of course, Star Wars movies, and I kind of cheated by just saying that all of them, I'm going to throw in all of them into one category there. Um, and I will say, I'm going to go back to, to that one other podcast called Star Wars Oxygen that I used to listen to. Um, they're on a bit of hi hiatus now. They haven't had an episode in a while, but um, I will say listening to that podcast and really getting to hear kind of the behind the scenes making of some of the music and getting to hear the different connections and influences and all that other stuff. It really makes me appreciate even, even maybe my least favorite of the star Wars movies. Um, you know, and I love all of them, but like even attack of the clones, attack of the clones might be my least favorite of all the star Wars movies. But after listening to them talk about the music and what the music was trying to do and, and just the little bits and pieces that you don't even think about, of the, you know, this, this piece of music is referencing this classical piece and, and, and stuff like that. And like, you know what, that just, that blows me away. So I would say all of the Star Wars movies, I'm just going to lump all those, all those together and say, you know, that definitely is going to be at the top of my list. Um, and then beyond that, I love the movie Amadeus. I know when we did that movie on the podcast, I, I probably like that movie more than any of the rest of us do. Um, and maybe it's kind of cheat because Amadeus wrote that music couple hundred years ago um, so it wasn't anything done new for the movie but I think just how that music is used in the movie uh, you, just the way that they transition from one scene to another or the way that they transform um, you know some of Salieri's music into Mozart's music when he's doing that one little piece where he's like ah that, that doesn't quite work does it what if we tried this and uh, and just kind of shows him up in front of the Emperor just the way that that music is moved is used in that movie uh, just outstanding uh, Jurassic Park Jeff I'm just gonna say ditto to everything you said um, I had that one scene in in mind too when they first see the dinosaurs there and and they the whole you know welcome to Jurassic Park and the music swells and uh, that's that's the scene that I think of when I think of the Jurassic Park music um, and then I only did four um, I uh, and not because I was leaving one for some mystery movie that's gonna show up just because I had a really hard time narrowing it down, so I put down these four, and I just thought, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to do any more. Uh, my last one on here is The Rocketeer, one of my favorite movies ever, um, and, and definitely every time I listen to that soundtrack, I, I love everything about that soundtrack. Um, it's one of those James Horner scores that when I hear people complain that James Horner copies himself too much, I listen to that score, and I, I can't hear anything in that score, and maybe that's just me being biased, I can't hear anything in that score that I've heard copied in another James Horner movie. So to me, it's one of his scores that's unique among all the different James Horner scores that are out there. So, so that's my list. All right. Awesome lists. Um, I suppose I'm up next star Wars, basically everything you said, John, I mean, and we've discussed, you know, before that, that to me is just kind of the epitome of John Williams work. And 
I, it's just there's so many facets to it, and I can just I can listen to those soundtracks. You know, it, it's like that's the that's the desert island music. If I could only listen to that music for the rest of you know my life, I I would be fine. Um, so that's Star Wars Great Escape, and I think I mentioned it earlier. I just what a, what an iconic theme. One of my favorite movies, and largely the music helps it out. And Jeff said it most eloquently with you know it says things that you know the the lines don't. Um, and, uh, so, so yeah, just great music there. I put James Bond, uh, the Thunderball music in there. Um, I, I kind of mentioned it before when I was talking about favorite composers, but this is just very typical music of the, of the, um, of that early James Bond era. You know, you've got like the studio orchestra that does some swing stuff, some like rock stuff, some more, more straight ahead kinds of things, just screaming trumpets on that. Um, you know, it, it starts out with a pop tune that blends in and, and the themes are carried throughout. Um, and I think, you know, when they, when you try and capture, what do you think of with James Bond exotic locations, you know, even early James Bond. Okay. He didn't have the gizmos, but you know, there was still spy crap going on. You know, this was a guy stepping, setting foot outside of the normal world and he's going to go do battle with these shadowy mystery figures and that's what the music really does it's these big sweeping themes and you'll get these brass hits and you'll get these you know these these uh tension chords and all that kind of thing um that just really heighten the uh the the fun the excitement the action of the movie and uh so yeah i could i could listen to that all the time it seems like a lot of early james bond movies too you know involve him doing scuba diving I don't know if Sean Connery, and then, you know, Roger Moore always seems to be skiing, you know, so maybe they, maybe they kind of like picked what these guys really like to do, but just the music for some of the underwater scenes, you know, if you could musically paint like, you know, what you would imagine sound being like underwater, I think it does it. And so, you know, you hear the James, you hear those themes kick off and it's no mistaking it's, it's Bond. Um, Memphis Bell, first soundtrack that I ever fell in love with. You got everything in it. You've got uh, my favorite kind of music, you know, big band swing. You've got the song, you know, Harry Connick singing Danny Boy. Um, Danny Boy becomes, um, you know, the, the, the theme that they, they base a lot of the orchestrations off of. Um, and they, they do recalls to it. And they kind of rework that theme when there's tension. Uh, they put little bits of that theme with very tension uh, under underpinnings and attention filled accompaniments when it gets to the big climax at the end and you know they make it back safely they kick into that that danny boy theme but again it's orchestrated so that it it fits perfectly um i i, I find that music very full of emotion and and just very beautiful themes so yeah memphis bell and that was like i said i think that was that was one of the first CDs that I ever got. That and a Glenn Miller CD. So, I mean, that was... Uh, uh, really, really enjoyed that music. And then finally, uh, Dragon, uh, the Bruce Lee story. What, just And it, we'll, we'll get to talk about this in a couple of years, but man, what a cool movie and what a great testament to Bruce's life. Um, very creative the way they did it. You know, it wasn't... How do you say it? Is it biopic or biopic? What, how do you pronounce it? Heard both, yeah. Okay. Well, it, you know, the movie wasn't that, but it was just, you know, it had a little fantasy built in and it, it, it talked about Bruce's life. And the theme in that is just so powerful. 
and uh, the music really it really adds a whole lot of emotional impact whether it's you know um triumph or or loss or just you know showing one bad dude able to whoop the whoop everyone's butt i mean it's it's just the music really adds a whole lot to um um to that movie and like i said the, the closing credits where that theme is playing and uh, it's jason scott lee going through some of um bruce's moves and it, it, you know it's it, it just what a what a fitting tribute to um you know a great movie star a great ambassador for uh um his culture and um you know just a phenomenal martial artist so very very cool nice now that that actually brings up a a little bit of a tangent question i wanted to ask uh pat you said memphis bell might have been the first soundtrack you ever owned one of the first cds you ever owned yeah it, yes it actually was the first like i got that in another cd at the same time with my first disc man and that was the first soundtrack that i ever got okay first cd i ever bought was also a soundtrack jeff do you what was do you remember what the first soundtrack you ever bought was I think the first soundtrack that I ever bought might have been to The Bodyguard. Okay. All right, there you go. And and will you always love it? Uh, I think I sold it off a while back, so apparently not. Okay. Yeah, first CD I ever bought was um, the Wayne's World soundtrack. Oh, great. <clears throat> that was a lot. Of, I remember, you know, I didn't buy a whole lot of other CDs immediately after that. This is a great. This is a great CD. I don't need more than this right now. Uh, oh yeah i remember that i had to get my first discman and the first cd i ever bought was wayne's world yeah i was just curious i wanted to, i wanted to know what that uh, what, what each of our first soundtracks was um all right so uh let's jump into this one what is your favorite so normally on our podcast we're doing stuff with 80s movies uh so what is your favorite film soundtrack or score of the 80s you know what before we do that yeah. i gotta jump back to the john williams thing Go for it, yeah. I've got, I've got two points that I want to bring up about John Williams. Brilliant. You know, just, just to how brilliant he is. And one of them is with the movie Jaws mm. and, and how he purposely used the, the music from that movie to um, condition the audience. So, you know, you, you, you hear the, those, the, the, the iconic Jaws notes, right? The da da and throughout the movie you hear that and you know that means the shark is there and he had a thought that what if at a later point when um when brody is is dumping the fish guts and whatever over the side of the boat he said i'm not going to use the music there we'll just let the the shark come up out of the water mm -hmm. and that got the biggest screams in the theater because the, the audience didn't hear the music, so they weren't expecting it. Right. And I mean, you go an hour into the movie before you even see the shark. So all you have to rely on is that music. So it just, I mean, it just, it, it shows you just how smart he was and how he was able to use music to, to really manipulate mm -hmm. the viewing audience. The other thing that I, uh, that I wanna point out and John, maybe you can actually drop a little a, a little bit of this into the episode when uh, when it gets published. Um, 
Close Encounters, which we mentioned uh, is coming out, I think, next week for its 40th anniversary. Mm-hmm. There is about a nine minute or so piece of music, the Close Encounters Suite, and there's a small portion of it, at four and a half minutes in maybe, where he drops in when you wish upon a star. And it's, it's, it's seamless because all of a sudden you're sitting there listening and go, this sounds familiar. Why do I know this song? And it, it's, it's, uh, it's When You Wish Upon a Star from, uh, from Pinocchio. Yeah. And actually, you know, Pinocchio is a small, you know, small plot point in, in, in the movie. They talk about that movie a little bit in Close Encounters. But, I mean, it's just, it, it's a seamless addition to his already brilliant orchestration. So that I, I, I felt like I needed to share those things because those are two great things, uh, two of the many reasons why I admire uh, John Williams as a composer. But okay, going yeah. forward. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And that is actually where I'm going to cut us off right there uh, because we, I don't know if I mentioned it earlier in this one, we ended up talking for about four and a half hours um, over the course of a couple of days because we had to stop at one point because apparently people need sleep. Uh, So this is going to be part one. Uh, We're probably going to end up breaking this one into about three different parts. So part two will be coming in just a few more days. and that'll be episode number 151 of the podcast. Uh, but so we're just going to cut it off here. We'll get to our other topics that we had for our favorite movie music when we get to the next episode. In the meantime, where you can find us on all the social medias, we are 30 Podcasts. That's 3-0 Podcast on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, all those different places. Uh, you can go to 30podcast.com, our website, where you can see all of our old episodes, along with some other things we might have posted up and other ways to get in touch with us. Um, but yes, and we uh, we would love to hear from you if you're enjoying it, uh, enjoying the show, then uh, leave us a review on iTunes. That would really, really help out. Uh, and then get in touch with, with us on Twitter or through the voicemail line or email or any of those other ways. So uh, we will see you back here next time for part two. And in the meantime, be excellent to each other and go see some good movies and go listen to some good soundtracks. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.